This week on Grubstakers, we're talking about Mark Zuckerberg, the inspiration for the Jesse Eisenberg Oscar bait, The Social Network. We're going to be talking about his early website, FaceMash, his beautiful relations with the Hawaiian people, and more this week on Grubstakers. Because of my success in the private sector, I had the chance to run America's largest city for 12 years. I taught those kids lessons on product development and marketing, and they taught me what it was like growing up feeling targeted for your race. And that's just, that's just not true. You know, I love having the support of real billionaires. Hey guys, welcome to Grubstakers. I'm Andy Palmer. I'm Steve Jeffries. I'm Sean McCarthy. Yogi Polywall, boy detective. <laughs> uh, this week we're talking about Mark Zuckerberg, founder of thefacebook.com. Um, and FaceMash. <laughs> and a dating site. He's worth, according to Bloomberg, as of uh, March 2018, he's worth $72.4 billion. Forbes has him at $71.2 billion. Uh, what, the sixth richest man? Sixth richest in the in the world, and uh, you know we're gonna get through the uh, the biography. We're gonna get through, uh, you know, the the hacking of our democracy that he facilitated, <laughs> the uh, one hundred thousand dollars that Russia spent to destroy the billion dollar Hillary right. Clinton campaign, right. <laughs> solely through his platform, and uh, how he still spends all his free time refreshing the page where he's got a friend request from his college <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> You know, a million dollars isn't cool anymore. What's cool? $100,000 in Russian ads. Um but yeah, like I mean, so uh just basic biography. He grew up uh definitely upper middle class. He he was born in New York. Um his father was a dentist and uh we'll get into later his father gave him one of the loans to help uh start the company initially. Well, before we but, get into that, do we all use Facebook here or are we all Facebook users? Yes. Yes. I have made him so much money. <laughs> like, every time I post something misogynistic and it gets 300 comments, you're welcome, Mark Zuckerberg. That's, that's, I allow Sheryl Sandberg to lean in because I drive clicks. Well, you're a straight white male. You're exactly the demographic Facebook protects, and that's really the most important thing about this website. I guess we should mention also, well, we'll get into it later, but Facebook has been deleting the kill all men posts or the oh, men yeah. are scum yeah, posts yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. And you know what? Thank you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I need protection and it's hard for me to go on that website and feel attacked. And, uh, you know, most of the news articles about this, they treat it as a negative, but I feel very safe when I log in. <laughs> I know that there are mods Working 24 hours a day to protect my male fragility. <laughs> Our alt-right listenership just went up a thousand percent. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for linking me to that as well. What if they're like very conflicted because it's like on the one hand he's protecting men, but on the other hand he is Jewish. Oh, wow. Is he trying to ingratiate himself with us? But um, yeah, no, we all use Facebook. I think we were going to talk about friends. I've got like 3,000 or something. Yeah, Sean's got 3,000-something. Yogi has 2,200. Mm -hmm. I have 1,400. And Stephen Jeffries is, I would say, winning with 200 friends. Yes, yes. Well, definitely. it's like I always say. You don't get to 3,000 friends without making a few enemies. 
What's yeah. funny too about like how Sean has the most friends is he's also the person I know who has the most female comics who's who've unfriended him over his statuses. <laughs> <laughs> The key is to keep adding new ones. Which, incidentally, is very Zuckerberg-esque. Yeah. No, I just... I I, I always stare at the screen of the female comics who unfriended me, waiting for them to accept my request. Right. That's how you're addicted to the website. Your fragility is based on the fact that women don't like you, but you have 3,000 people that claim they still don't hate you, which is is pretty good. You don't get to 3,000 friends without making a few enemies. I know I already said that. Same can be said for zero frames. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, yeah. So, Zuckerberg's dad's a dentist. Uh, They're well off. He's got two sisters, I believe. Whole family, very focused on the face. Very focused on the face. (laughs) Uh, No acne problems whatsoever in that family. Very focused. Um, No Habsburg jaw, either. And in one of the... (laughs) I think there is that jaw, by the way. But in one of the articles I read is that he grew up in a very, like, supportive and loving family. The family would call him the prince because he had two sisters. (laughs) Because he was like Machiavelli. (laughs) (laughs) He was, like, stealing intellectual property from his sisters as a child like no i'm the one who came up with a lemonade stand he's setting up a, a, a llc shell company to run the lemonade stand and cut them out he set up an llc to buy up the other uh, uh, lemonade stand and dilute their shares yeah and then when they wanted to counter sue him he paid him off in lemonade <laughs> um it's all there i've seen the documents folks <laughs> Oh, yeah, we've been watching some Alex Jones before this. Alex Jones, you know, if you don't listen to all of this episode, just check out Alex Jones' criticism of Mark Zuckerberg, because he breaks it down better than we ever could. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck you, Zuckerberg! (laughs) Fuck you! (laughs) Yeah, that is Alex Jones' take on Mark Zuckerberg. And I'll be honest, very, very precise and concise. I, I will say... Jones is a man known for many words, but in this case, he really hits the nail on the head. (laughs) (laughs) But so anyway, you know, typical upper middle class upbringing. Father was a dentist. He was uh, very bright in school. He went to Harvard, of course. Um, And so uh, he originally, he he did like some sort of hot or not website. I don't know if that was his face mash. Yeah, the face mash. Because, like, I guess he posted some blog post, and I'm paraphrasing it, but it's like, yeah, I was just looking through the photos, and, like, some of these people uh, of, like, Harvard campus, because Harvard had, Sean, like... Sean, you're being too woke. He said some of these women look like farm animals. Right. I so thought he I'm... said some of these people. Oh, well... Well, I don't know if he specified women or people. <laughs> if <laughs> he was, I think he was referring to a women's dorm, at least. Oh, okay. I heard that that's one of the reasons he got in trouble with the Harvard, like, faculty, because... He was hacking their network to get photos of other people. And it's like, that's the beginning of the Zuckerberg-Harvard story. Is like, he just was kind of breaking their computer system to benefit from it by judging women. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I'll be honest, uh, so woke. Really, oh, really. Yeah. And, I feel like and fortunately, since that time, Facebook has never been used for that purpose. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I feel like that's the origin story for a lot of different tech, tech startups. <laughs> Well, we hacked the CIA, and now we got all the photos of the hottest CIA agents. <laughs> I mean, that was like the whole point of that Sorkin movie. It was like, yeah, they're all doing this to get the puss. Yeah, right? yeah he was doing it for revenge against uh, his girl who dumped him because he was an asshole. How dare her she dump him? And he was like, I'm not an asshole. I'm just an Aaron Sorkin character. <laughs> <laughs> We're all like this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he did the face mash where uh, it was like a hot or not type of thing where you could 
vote. What was it? If two people were hotter, you vote on yeah, the you hotter just, like, one. Click, there's like two pictures, and you click on the hot one. Yes. And then they used LO chess ratings to rank the hottest people. <laughs> so somewhere there was a Magnus Carlson of hot ladies <laughs> at Harvard. That's great. Uh, um, but so that was, I think, his first web. Did he do like one other before? Or I guess. Well, he. The- I, I, real quick, he did create a social network in his house called Zucknet. Uh, this is pre Face right. at home. And it was to make it so that the computers in his house could talk to one another. Which, mind you, like, I don't. There's no need for this. Like, I, I tried looking into it more, and Zucknet, uh, Sucknet. It, it doesn't make any sense why you would need. Your PCs to talk to one another when 56k modems is as fast as the internet goes. Like it, it, it sounds like he just set up a network at his house and yes. named it Zucknet. That sort is... of like what we all do with Wi-Fi now. Yes, <laughs> right, right, right. He named his Wi-Fi Zucknet, and people were like, you know, he's really gifted. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so he did the face ma- mash, and then uh, you know, infamously as portrayed in the Aaron Sorkin movie, the um, the Winklevoss twins approached him about. Winkies. They approached him about starting a, a dating site for Harvard called Harvard Connection or something. And uh, when they approached him, you see, this was right after the face mash incident right. where uh, uh, Zuckerberg's girlfriend says, hey, you know, I'm really into rowers. And he says, well, I'm, I'm small. Rowers are big. I, I, I can't be a rower. And so he's very intimidated by athletes. And then later she dumps him and then the Winklevoss twins come. And he's like, you guys look like you must work out. A great dialogue by Sorkin. And they're like, yeah, of course we work out. We're in crew. And then he like kind of glares and he's like, yeah, I'll help you. And uh, then he begins on his crusade to destroy the rowers, the Winklevoss twins, who I would also like to uh, state without anything to back it up, were the inspiration for the McPoyle twins on It's Always Sunny because they fuck each other. That's right. That's right. 100%. Yeah. Also, when we talk about the Winklevoss twins, we, we rarely mention uh, Divya Narendra, the other the Indian guy who I would argue had the idea for this Connect You Harvard Connection nonsense. Yeah, he so was it's, definitely the one driving it. Yeah, in it's the, like, in the movie at least. Well, in real life as well, I'm pretty sure he at least had uh, I don't know the technical knowledge to explain why this was important. And Winklevoss was like, you know what? I think we're going to jump on this train. Uh, nobody will question us because we're two people and we're big. Yeah. <laughs> and we have sex with one another. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you become a good rowing partnership. Yeah, you have to know when to stroke and when to when to croak. <laughs> so we're skipping ahead, but l- later when the Winklevosses established Connect You, Zuckerberg, according to his leaked IMs, he did actually like hack into it and start like deleting accounts. And he made he wow, made he what made a, a weak bitch. He made a fake account for Cameron Winklevoss and like he did um basically he portrayed him as like a racist. So he on this fake profile for Cameron Winklevoss, he has favorite quote, quote, homeless people are worth their weight in paper clips. I hate black people. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just a, a very artful attempt to smear a Winklevoss twin. You know, in uh, some of the emails he sent the Winklevoss, uh, basically being like, oh, hey, sorry, like, I haven't worked on the thing because I've been awake. Yeah, you know, I've been really focused on this one data project. I hope Facebook employees today use that when they're like, hey, so what happened yesterday? You weren't in. I had a problem oh, set. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I had a problem set. And just like fucking Zuckerberg <laughs> being like, this motherfucker is using my tactic against me. All right, but I guess we're jumping around a bit. So just to get into it, he's on the Harvard campus. Um, the Winklevoss twins approach him with Winks. this 
with this dating website idea. But around the same time, they argue he stole the idea and turned it into the Facebook.com, or at least he congruently had a similar idea, which went on to become the Facebook.com. And the Facebook.com went live in uh, February 2004. It was explosively popular on the Harvard uh, campus. And uh, he got his initial uh, 15,000, which is what they needed for the servers, from the classmate uh, Eduardo Saverin, which was, um, he was a Brazilian uh, kid descended from, um, I guess, uh, his grandfather owned a tailor shop that became very popular in Brazil. He's uh, Hugo Boss. <laughs> but there are a lot of immigrants who were into that kind of style in Brazil. But uh, and so in, in one of these leaked. Uh, so uh, this uh, his friend Eduardo is the initial investor in the seed money. He gives him 15,000. And in one of these um, uh, leaked Zuckerberg instant messages we have, uh, uh, he describes Eduardo as, quote, the head of the investment society Um and he said he's rich because, quote, apparently insider trading isn't illegal in Brazil. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, he just kind of like, so, um, you know, he treated Eduardo like daddy money bags or whatever. And um, they they found this server. It becomes explosively popular. And then in the summer of 2004, they found it February. It's really popular on Harvard. In the summer, uh, he and uh, Dustin uh, Merkowitz, who was another Muscovitz, excuse me, was another founder. They Ooh, move Russian. out. They move out to Palo Alto, California, and they rent a house where they work on Facebook full time for the summer. And this is after uh, Justin Timberlake talked them into going out there. That's right. That's right. After he uh, fucked a Stanford lady, and she was like, "Wait, you created Napster." As though a lady in 2004 wouldn't recognize that she just fucked Justin Timberlake. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he hadn't brought the sexy back then. <laughs> it, it was very convenient that she introduced Justin Timberlake to Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I guess life is just full of those coincidences. You know, when they moved to Palo Alto, Eduardo stayed on the East Coast. So while the company was being built, one of the uh, co-founders of the entire thing had to, was on the East Coast still at Harvard, I believe. He actually and, he went on to an internship at Lehman Brothers. Oh, really? That other yeah. famously successful company. <laughs> and one of the biggest scandals of uh, Facebook is documented in the social network. When Wardo came to visit them in California, Zuckerberg didn't pick him up from the airport. Oh, what? Yeah. That's pretty fucked up. He promised up. he would. That's terrible. And Wardo Betrayal. just stood outside the front door in the rain. But, um, yeah, at some point they meet uh, Justin Timberlake, also known as Sean Parker, uh, founder of um, uh, Napster. And uh, and Trent Reznor's mortal enemy, <laughs> right? But so they have this initial fifteen thousand from um, Eduardo, and then they get more money from Zuckerberg's um, uh, dentist father. And we looked a while; we can't really find how much he gave them. But um, basically, when Facebook filed an IPO, when they're filing with the SEC, they disclosed that, quote, in 2004 and 2005, Mr. Zuckerberg's father provided us with initial working capital. In consideration for this assistance, we issued him an option to purchase uh, 2 million shares. I believe those are worth something like 60 million now. But basically, they didn't disclose. We don't know exactly how much of daddy's money Zuckerberg was burning through with these servers. Daddy number two. Right. 
So he had Eduardo's money, he had his father's money, and I, I guess just the thing is, like, uh, congratulations on making your, you know, depression factory that's making all the kids kill themselves and being worth $74 billion. but it's worth thinking that whenever people are like, oh, just be Mark Zuckerberg, it's like, well, I hope you have the startup capital. Right. I right. hope you have a rich Harvard friend and a father who's a fucking dentist who can loan you an undisclosed sum to keep your stupid servers up until you meet Justin Timberlake. <laughs> And if you do have all of that, you have to throw all of your friends under a bus to promote a web- website that allows you to have more friends. <laughs> <laughs> you guys spend friends to make me friends. <laughs> but yeah, so um, summer two thousand friends make friends. Summer two thousand four, they go out to Palo Alto and they're running this full time out of the house. And then, uh, according to Business Insider, as early as July, um, Sean Parker had uh, introduced them to Silicon Valley bigwigs. Uh, like Reed Hoffman and Peter Thiel, who were lined up to invest in them. By the way, Peter Thiel and the social network, uh, very natural movements, uh, very <laughs> socially uh, adept. It's very convincing. Yeah. yeah. Clearly, uh, they didn't make this movie uh, until after he spoke at the Republican National Convention and everyone saw him as a weird robot. <laughs> It was like injects young people's blood into himself. I was going to say, maybe he was getting like the good batch of young people's blood. (laughs) (laughs) He was getting like the real boys from Brazil blood. And then they cracked down on his supplier. (laughs) And now his movements are more stilted. It's part of why they needed Eduardo. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the blood connects. Peter Thiel becomes the first big Silicon Valley investor in uh, Facebook. I believe he invests $500,000. Uh, but before they could do that, Zuckerberg comes up with a scheme to cut Eduardo, his Harvard classmate who put the initial 15000 out. And the scheme they basically come up with is uh, something Peter Thiel uh, copied from some other hedge fund manager or some other tech investor. It's, it's worth noting that he came up with this scheme because Eduardo got into an exclusive Harvard club and Mark Zuckerberg did not. <gasps> it was a... Uh, so in the, All, my, the entirety of my research for this episode was watching the social network last night <laughs> and getting we, drunk. Don't forget about and the getting, getting drunk, drunk on homemade moonshine. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And showing up a half an hour late. <laughs> I, I when I research hard, sometimes it takes a while to get up in the morning. Andy does like the Bobby Fisher technique of recording a podcast <laughs> where he like gets into our heads psychologically by just like being delayed and unprepared. <laughs> But then he's a grandmaster. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, but so, uh, uh, again, from these leaked uh, Zuckerberg uh, instant messages from the time, they discuss cutting out Eduardo. And so um, um, <clears throat> this is Sean Parker and Zuckerberg talking. And Sean Parker says, Peter Thiel tried some dirty tricks. All that shit he does is classic Moritz shit. And Moritz refers to Michael Moritz. Uh, who is an um, angel investor who funded uh, Google, Yahoo, PayPal, among others. And we'll talk about him on a future episode. But basically, um, <clears throat> uh, so yeah, he goes, Parker goes, Peter Thiel tried some dirty shit, dirty tricks. All that shit he does is, is like classic Moritz shit. Zuckerberg goes, ha ha, really? Parker goes, only Moritz does it way better. Zuckerberg goes, that's weak. Parker goes, I bet he learned that from Mike. Zuckerberg goes, well, now I learned it from him, and I'll do it to Eduardo. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, I'm sure wasn't great when they had to do that through um, 
discovery in the lawsuit. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of weird because since Zuckerberg, he already he could have drawn on his experience with a lemonade stand <laughs> in order to to cut his own family out of the profits. You think the guy who makes his whole career around gathering people's information digitally would know not to put that into writing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You think that uh, a person that has his entire net worth based on his information being online wouldn't put some information yeah. online. And one of the points uh, early on in the Facebook uh, portion, they asked him, like, hey, people are giving you their emails. Like, why are they doing that? And he just says, I don't know. They're dumb as fuck. <laughs> or he called them dumb. F- I guess they, quote, trust me. Yeah, right, right. Dumb fucks. <laughs> Which he did apologize for. And but, uh, okay. I'm sure it was sincere. He's better now. Yeah, right. Like, it's like, oh, oh, I don't give a fuck that you apologize for. You literally called anyone using Facebook a dumb fuck. Like, are you serious? That's not... It is kind of a funny 180 from, like, my users are dumb fucks to uh, everything could be solved if you just used Facebook more. (laughs) Um, But so, yeah, so they come up with this scheme where they set up another LLC to buy the Facebook LLC, and then they dilute um, Eduardo's shares in the new LLC. And just quoting from Business Insider real quick to kind of give a bit of an overview. On October 31, 2004, Eduardo signed a shareholder agreement that allotted him um, 3 million shares in the of stock, common stock in the new company. In the agreement, he handed over all relevant intellectual property and turned over his voting rights to Mark Zuckerberg. And it's pretty clear he just didn't know what he was signing. Oh, wow. So later on, uh, this is according to Business Insider, Eduardo apparently only found out how badly he'd been diluted in April 2005. So that's like months after when the Facebook.com sent him a letter seeking his approval for its second formal round of funding. And then, you know, lawsuits fought, lawsuits followed. And interestingly enough, the only reason we got the Social Network movie is because Eduardo in this period talks to a journalist, uh, Ben Mesrich, who wrote uh, the book Accidental Billionaires, which is what the book Social Network was based on. And this is entirely based on Eduardo's account of what happened. Mark Zuckerberg refused to cooperate with the book. So basically, he just gave this, like, you know, very damning portrayal of what a tool Zuckerberg was. And then that became the book, which became the Sorkin movie. And then eventually, Eduardo, I think like six months in, stopped cooperating because he settled with Zuckerberg for something like a billion dollars. Well, as they say in the Sorkin movie, every origin story needs a devil. (laughs) And Go on, Andy. Mark Zuckerberg isn't an asshole. (gasps) He's just trying really hard to be. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the line that the movie goes out on that contradicts every other scene in the movie yeah right <laughs> and i love that like at, at first he was like i'm not gonna see the social network and then it comes out it's like all right looks like everyone at facebook is gonna go see this movie about me now like yeah, it's the yeah. most narcissistic way i'm not gonna see that movie well now that it's out maybe all of us should go support it <laughs> like it's like at first he's like well maybe i don't think i should support a thing that could be damaging to me and then secondly it's like well, maybe I should support it because if it bombs, that's even worse for my career. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is about me. Right, right, right. It should be noted that Zuckerberg would like us all to know that he had a girlfriend the entire time period that that movie covers. That's right. him. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to write a letter to Sorkin telling him to sort that <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, he talks about how he didn't like it because basically he was with Priscilla Chan during that entire period. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah, buddy. They made a movie about your life. They like, didn't fucking... Yes, yes, I cheated on her. But... 
<laughs> it's, it's not fair to not mention that she was there. What like what's her origin story though? So I looked into her a little bit, and basically, her parents are arguably the best person in the Zuckerberg story is Priscilla Chan. Um, her parents are like refugees, and they worked their ass off. And she's the first person in her family to have a college degree from anywhere. I think, if I, my research is correct, and her entire thing now is like all wives and former wives of a billionaire. She's a philanthropist. And she's entirely the reason why Zuckerberg is trying to donate like ninety nine percent of his net worth, even though they're a part of the Bill Gates group of um, weather control. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Priscilla Chan, I think, uh, is like. What if What if you wrote a letter to Aaron Sorkin, being like, "I am so disappointed." Fuck disappoint- you, Zuckerberg. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> You'd be like, "I'm so disappointed. Your series, The West Wing, was so accurate." <laughs> And your series, Studio 60, was such an accurate portrayal of stand-up comedy. <laughs> um, he did that? Yeah, he did Studio 60, right? It was no sports night. Yeah. Um, but so anyways, we were talking about Priscilla, and um, I guess we could talk a bit about um, just how Facebook makes its money, you know, its whole business model and these kinds of things, and then we'll get into some of the other things he has done since settling with um, both Eduardo Saverin and the Winklevoss twins. And, you know, it, it was explosively popular on the Harvard campus in 2004, and it's just grown exponentially ever since. I think it has 1.5 billion users worldwide now. So, you know, and uh, um, according to Wired, uh, Google and Facebook account for three quarters of all um, Internet ad revenue, I believe. That's um, correct. So, yeah, Facebook... Um even though ads aren't cool, and Facebook is cool, uh, they now make 98% of their revenue from ads. They used to actually make, uh, it looks like in 2012, they made something like 84%, and the rest of their money was from games. Basically, yeah, like right. Farmville was a cash cow for Facebook. Mm-hmm. And so, but because since like uh, smartphones became much more ubiquitous, no one has any reason to go on Facebook to play Farmville. So they basically threw that by the wayside. And so now uh, the the global ad revenue or global ad spending is half a trillion dollars, over half a trillion oh dollars. Yeah. And it looks like 49.6 of that by 2021, according to eMarketer, will be in digital ad revenues. Um including like mobile ads and so on. So I thought I'd look into basically how Facebook makes their money. And so I did a deep dive into uh, the heart of darkness, which is Facebook's business section. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's uh, the eighth ring of hell, the eighth <laughs> ring of hell. And it turns out they're very upfront. If you are looking to make money or if you're looking to give them money, they have, <laughs> Oh, really? They tell you everything that you want to know if you're willing to give them money? Yeah, yeah. Not if you're using it or, say, in the news, but if you're looking to promote on Facebook, they're like, yeah, no, here's the shit we do. Uh, for instance, you can – so, like, as a broad overview, you can target for um, specific income groups. You can target for sexual orientation, religion, political affiliation. They have two things that are called dynamic ads and lead ads, which are their two offerings, and dynamic ads is basically 
how they use people's uh, likes and behaviors to target ads. Mm-hmm. And then lead ads are just where people can input. Uh, it, it allows people to input information for a business so that a business can, uh, they can say like, hey, sign up for this and people will type in information and then uh, the business can get more information combined with their Facebook information and Facebook gets it. Anyway, so basically they they tell, you can take these courses on Facebook business on how to properly use their their uh, offerings. Uh, one thing you can do is you can upload your data from that you have about users that you've collected outside of Facebook. So you can tell them like, hey, I'm trying to advertise to gay Mexican teens. Well, that's so that's like level one. That's the that's, <laughs> that's the entry level. <laughs> got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And so. Even past that, you can take like if you have like a customer base where they've you've got their emails, you've got things they've bought. Right, right. You can upload that onto Facebook. It'll connect that with the people on Facebook based on what they've bought, and so you can start targeting those people on their Facebook if they've bought anything from you. You can Facebook will also it kind of tries to track behaviors, and so say if someone is. Uh, is into gardening. If they say they're into gardening, you can advertise to people who look like they're into gardening. But if another platform, say, noticed that someone bought a gardening shovel or something, mm-hmm. then right. you can also target those people, even though they never said on Facebook that they're into gardening. And even deeper what, into it... Um, what if someone says they're into cheese pizza? <laughs> I think we all know what that means, Sean. <laughs> Um, so what's, what's the third level that you're about to describe? So the third level, it's basically behaviors. And one of the most interesting sections I got to while taking, uh, their quote courses, I passed two courses. Good job. Andy. Even though I nice. pretty much failed their after course quiz on the second one. Oh, Andy. I know. They still said I passed. We're going to put your test on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> they have a, a section called multicultural affinity. Oh, uh, Sounds woke so far. Yeah, very, very <laughs> progressive. Interesting. And, uh, quote, Facebook's targeting solution is not based on ethnicity. Our U.S., Hispanic, African-American, and Asian-American affinity audiences are defined by people's affinity to cultures they've demonstrated an interest in through their behaviors on Facebook. This is why you'll find affinity group audiences under behaviors rather than demo- demographics. So basically this is their race targeting yeah, right, right. thing. But they're very clear that they're not targeting based on whether someone's Asian American, African American, <laughs> or Hispanic. They target you based on whether you act black, act Asian, right, or act Hispanic. Right. That's so crazy. Because in theory, that's more habitual than race-based, but the reality is it's also just race-based. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, yeah, sure, there will be some overlap, but the reality is if a person is mostly acting black on the internet, chances are they're probably black. Yeah, and, I was wondering why I was getting all those ads for relaxer. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if you were like a if you're like Bank of America and you're trying to market certain bank products, you wouldn't be able to do that well, what based they, on these affinity groups. What you? they've said is uh, specific categories such as housing, employment, and credit cannot be marketed on the basis of multicultural affinity, which, yeah. you know, very nice of them. And also, if it got out that they were doing that, 
that would be a PR nightmare for Facebook. <laughs> you mean when it comes out that they're doing that? Because oh, yeah. the, the sad reality of Facebook is that they continually will violate their own privacy rules and their own laws about this stuff. And then people will be like, hey, that's fucked up. And they'll go, oh, we're sorry. And then they just continue to do it. Yeah, basically. A lot of people <laughs> fall backwards. Uh, Facebook has a tendency to fall upwards, or as I call it, White privilege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the entire research we did on Facebook, at least what I found was constantly, Facebook does bad thing, it gets discovered by somebody, and they're like, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Yeah, like, <laughs> we, we made a mistake. Yeah, yeah, this is not our intention. This was an oversight, you know. They, they play the uh, br- uh, uh, damaging boyfriend role. No, that's not me anymore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do that. That's, that's me yesterday. I'm different now. <laughs> And then we all fall back in love with Facebook. And then the next day, they're fucking eating out our girlfriends. They're like, look, Myanmar's better without the Rohingya people. (laughs) (laughs) You can target your Facebook ads at, like, uh, killing Rohingyans. No, you're targeting people who act like they want to kill Rohingyans. They identify with those affinity features. (laughs) We'll get into that a little later. Oh, and one last thing that I, I found in my course where they were going through the history of Facebook. They talk about how they started uh, advertising for things like movies, and they had a little screenshot from 2012 Facebook where it's an ad for Tropic Thunder now playing, and then underneath it is a comment demonstrating how people can comment on Facebook ads, and the comment is from Justin Smith saying, this is a good idea for an ad unit. <laughs> Do you think uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character in that movie gets ads for black uh, Facebook <laughs> users? <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess um, another thing that I I think one of the most important things when it comes to Facebook is the link to depression. And I think most people who use Facebook intuitively know that this is like making us miserable. But, um, you know, Sean Parker of uh, Napster and Justin Timberlake fame actually... Um, gave a a talk uh, just recently where he said, um, and, you know, if the, if the thought process that went into building these applications, Facebook being the first of them to really understand it, that thought process was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? And that means that we need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while um, because someone liked or commented on a photo or a post or whatever. And that's going to get you to contribute more content. And that's going to get you, you know, more likes and comments. I mean, it's, a, it's, a val- it's a social validation feedback loop that, that it's like a, I mean, it's exactly the kind of thing that a, that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in, in human psychology. So essentially the entire algorithm of Facebook is designed to make you depressed, but also to make you constantly use Facebook because you're always craving that little like or validation or whatever if the it, fuck. If it's really like depression, then... So one of the things... I was in Dayton, Ohio this morning, and I was sitting with... Uh, bunch of folks who are um, recovering opioid addicts or heroin addicts and a bunch of folks in the community um, who are working to help them recover. And that's a, I mean, that's a huge epidemic issue. Yep. Anyway, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg. If it's, if it's really like depression, then it should also mean that you have to have even more, uh, more likes and more follows. 
as time goes on. Right. Because you crave that approval. But like, and at the risk of stepping on Bill Maher's toes, he uh, actually covered this with his uh, new rule: social media is the new nicotine. Oh God! Well, I in guess... a in a brilliant segment where he talked about how you need the smiley face now, or the thumbs up, or the big thumbs up, or the big black thumbs up. At which point, the cameras immediately cut to the one black eye on the panel. Was he laughing? He was laughing and giving a thumbs up. Well, that's okay then. Yeah, and later Bill Maher gave a, did a gay joke, and they cut to who I assume was the gay guy on the panel. And then he said the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I wish he made more money so we could talk about him more. <laughs> yeah, he's too poor for our podcast. <laughs> uh, but so, Facebook and depression, there have been a, a few different studies kind of validating what people kind of feel intuitively, that... Facebook makes you miserable. The The algorithm is designed to make you miserable. And just like as a general trend, um, there was a paper published in uh, Clinical Psychological Science that said uh, in the years between 2010 and 2015, the number of U.S. teens who felt useless and joyless, symptoms of depression, surged 33% in a large national surveys. Teen suicide attempts increased 23%. The number of 13 to 18-year-olds who committed suicide jumped 31%. So there is a a big spike in teen suicide and depression. And um, then there are a few other studies that that link that more direct. And sorry, that the the quote I was just doing comes from a Washington Post article. But uh, there was a joint study uh, by two German universities that um, demonstrated Facebook envy, found as many as one in three people uh, feel worse and less satisfied with their lives after visiting Facebook. A 2013 study uh, by University of Michigan found that people... The more people use Facebook, the worse they feel afterwards. Uh, University of Copenhagen did a uh, control, a one-week experiment with 1,095 participants in 2015. Uh, They compared a treatment group, uh, participants who took a break from Facebook with a control group, participants who kept using Facebook, and demonstrated that taking a break from Facebook has positive effects on the two dimensions of well-being, our life satisfaction increases, and our emotions become more positive. So basically, all research that has looked at this is like, yeah, this shit is making us miserable. And of course, you know, the teen mind is still developing. So these kinds of, you know, feedback loops that the algorithm is built to exploit, they're making kids sad and they're making kids kill themselves. And this is how this guy got his $72 billion or whatever. Mark, are the allegations true that you're secretly a lizard? Um, I'm going to have to go with no on that. Uh, I, I, I am not a lizard. Um, but, you know, keep the high-quality comments coming in. Please, this is uh, surely on track to be uh, a great live Q&A if we, if we continue getting stuff at, at that level of quality. So mad. Yeah, you always see a post of someone like who's like, I'm going to take a break from Facebook. I think it'll be good for me. And they, like, come back, and it's almost like they had withdrawal syndromes. Yeah. Symptoms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, Sean, all those studies are European, and, you know, people in Europe are weak, so I don't really it's trust true. that shit. Like, you know... They can't handle uh, cops shooting at them. So fuck them, you know? Like, they're not <laughs> Americans. You know, we're rough and tough. You're Wild West. The weak-ass Europeans can't handle Facebook. You know, it is interesting, though, because, like, with all this stuff that you mentioned, it's like, it is the invisible bully because it's not necessarily targeting one person or one identity and how they suck, but just our own collective consciousness being collected on this is bullying one another to believe that they're inadequate in a reality where all of us feel inadequate. Right. There's that great uh, Onion 
headline that was like Facebook version of relationship going great. Um, but yeah, it, it's like something where another part of the algorithm, uh, as I have learned to demonstrate it, is that posts with more comments will bump to the top of your feed right. because they want to show you arguments. They want to show you people fighting with each other. And you know what? That's like, that is the part of Facebook that you can't get from any other entertainment source. You're welcome, Sean, by the way. <laughs> is you can, you can watch, you know, people that you've sort of met have mental breakdowns in real time. Right. Yeah. And they can put ads on that. And that's why they get like almost three quarters, combined with Google, three quarters of the ad traffic because there's no other entertainment platform that can compete with, you know, people screaming racial slurs at each other. Facebook is actually uh, out of nearly 200 U.S. companies. This is from Bloomberg with at least 15 billion in yearly sales. Uh, only five have a wider operating profit margin than Facebook. Yeah. So those five are Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Visa, Galeed, whatever that is, and Altria, whatever that is. You know, uh, Twitter... I mean, we are a business podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Twitter is sort of tries to have the same thing where like you're right in the moment and you have you can see an argument unfolding. Right. But they also don't have the infrastructure to support all of these like clever advertisement, the dynamic advertising and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That is like really tied into, you know, what they think are the most meaningful interactions between people. Well, that's the thing. You know, one thing that uh, the Zuckerberg uh, research that I did taught me was that the social networking sites pre Facebook, so Friendster and MySpace, the issues with them were that they felt very clunky and that you could tell what was an advertisement versus what wasn't. Right. And so the innovation of Facebook was that it kind of all flowed together seamlessly, it, similar to how Craigslist works, where it's not. It's a very bare bones type of package, but that's also the problem: is that they're masking their paid advertisements as real people's real opinions. So now, what you think is two people fighting about something is actually just one corporation letting you know that their product exists. It's like you know, oh my god, check out this fight between this little person and this albino filmed on the new Sony camera. Like it's <laughs> like, it's like, well, what is this? Like, am I watching two people fight, or is this an advertisement for the camera? Because the footage is amazing, but right. I mean, I just wanted to watch two people fight. So, like, I it, wanted to watch two homeless people fight for a meal, not get advertised. To, <laughs> you scumbags! Right, right. I mean, like, you know, that example is clearly a hundred percent true to Sean's life. And so, um, but I, you know, that's the thing that's most damaging about Facebook is that it kind of is an invisible hand, and in many ways, uh, scarier than the Big Brother of nineteen eighty four. Yeah. The year Mark Zuckerberg was born. Also, just one other thing about Facebook addiction. In 2014, I, I grabbed this off, off Wikipedia. In 2014, the site went down for 30 minutes, prompting several users to call 911. Yeah, <laughs> which I right. like. Just the idea of like swatting Zuckerberg or something. Nine one one. What's your emergency? Uh, hi, Facebook is down. Uh, I can't post about how I'm enjoying this potato. Uh, I baked it at a higher temperature. Do you like this? What if you call nine one one and you'd be like, Ah, I'm in uh, acre three hundred of Zuckerberg's uh, seven hundred acre Hawaii mansion. I can see he has a gun. He's holding it to Priscilla's head. You need to deploy SWAT. Sir, sir, calm down. Is this on Facebook Live? No, it's on Periscope. Well, we can't help you then. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, that's a competing uh, entity. We don't follow any leads based off non-Facebook related media. That's one thing I want to mention. Uh, I'm not sure. Does why even have SWAT teams? 
I, I'd like to imagine they're too chill to have SWAT teams. <laughs> you know, the other thing about uh, um, Facebook that's very corrupt is one of the, I think it was Funny or Die heads was talking about how, you know, uh, freelance content on the internet has been monopolized by Facebook because mm-hmm. so many people get their content from Facebook that you can't even put it anywhere else on the internet without getting the amount of people you want to look at it without Facebook. And it's one of the reasons why... Right, uh, they put Funny or Die out of business, pretty much. Right. We want you to know if you were listening to this podcast... But they've also done bad things. <laughs> I'm kidding. I was one of the 30 under 30s. I love you, Funny or Die. You're a good website. Gonna Don't edit. blackmail me. <laughs> gonna edit all that out. Um, Don't blackball me. Uh, if uh, you're listening to this, by the way, if anyone's making thirty over thirty lists, uh, I qualify. <laughs> if you're listening to this via a Facebook promotion, please comment and let us know because we're not sure if this is gonna work out in the long run. Because we're using a website that we're mocking to market our thing that mocks billionaires. We're going to spend $50 to get some Russian uh, click farms to uh, listen to our podcast. <laughs> and as long as they like, comment, and subscribe, we're kind of okay with it. Do a Putin episode. Um, but uh, I guess we, we can talk about um, how Zuckerberg has spent some of his money, uh, particularly we've mentioned his 700-acre Hawaii... Getting to know people. <laughs> We've mentioned his 700-acre Hawaii mansion, um, and just like to give a quick overview of just the fun little story behind that, uh, he purchased about 700 acres of oceanfront uh, property in Hawaii in uh, 2014 for uh, between 100 and $120 million. Um, in June 2016, he put a six-foot-high wall around his property which uh, prompted a lot of very smart uh, Facebook commenters to observe things like, quote, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but a typical liberal puts a wall around his property but doesn't think we need a wall on our border with Mexico. <laughs> um, which, you know, they, uh, they have a point. We do need a wall on our border with Mexico <laughs> if Mark Zuckerberg has a wall on his property. <laughs> um, but so, basically, he puts up this wall in June 2016, and then... And in December 2016, he starts uh, suing uh, to try and gain control of 14 pockets of land that are within uh, his 700 acres that are owned by um, local families. Uh, Just to give a brief history, in Hawaii, they only started private land ownership in 1850, um, but, you know, that land is transferred down um, through generations. So he's literally doing a redo of, like, the enclosure movement. Oh, yeah. The 16th century. It's kind of funny. I mean, um, so basically, uh, uh, one Hawaii state representative accused him of using the same legal mechanisms used by sugar barons wow. centuries earlier to drive, you know, native Hawaiians off their lands. Here's um, the thing, though. It's not colonialism. It's networking. <laughs> He's making friends. I think um, I think the original slogan of uh, colonialism was, uh, you don't get 100 pounds of tea without <laughs> making a few enemies. Um but so basically, he uh, million dollars isn't cool. Global enslavement. Is nah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, you know what's cooler than a um, hundred pounds of rubber a day? <laughs> a thousand pounds of rubber a day, <laughs> and uh, or we'll cut off your hands. But. Anyway, so Zuckerberg, in December 2016, he starts this, uh, what are called quiet title uh, lawsuits, and those are called that way because they're meant to, ch- to quiet all challenges to a title, 
of land. And so these 700 acres he owned were complicated by the fact that, you know, uh, many of the, uh, at least 14 pockets of land within it had fractional owners that were descent from generations of, of course, native Hawaiians. Um, you know, and these people might have the temerity to walk through his property, you know, these <laughs> locals who have lived on the land for centuries. You know, for somebody who really uh, does a great job of fucking over other people's privacy, really gives a shit about his own privacy. It's yeah. very, very fucked up. He also did some of this shit with the house he owns in San Francisco, where he basically raised real estate values like 100% by... Like, buying a house, and then when he would do construction on it, the other house people would be like, hey, cut that out. He's like, I guess I'm going to buy your house as well. Uh, <laughs> so he owns, like, one house. He owns a house and then four of the houses that surround him. And he's like, I think we're going to tear those houses down and build smaller houses on those. Those. It's like, it's, it's just global... Um, all it is is Zuckerberg saying, fuck you, I've got enough money to do this, and you can't stop me. Well, it's fucked up, and and so basically he su- fuck you, Zuckerberg, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> he sues these people in December 2016, and uh, thankfully the Honolulu Star Advertiser broke the story of these lawsuits in January 2017. He withdraws the lawsuits later that month for some reason, but um, just a just a. I, I think his quote went along the lines of like, "Oh, I didn't realize how much I was hurting people." <laughs> I'll, uh, well, so... I, I, I went around it all wrong, and I'm sorry. Yeah, who knew uh, suing Native people to throw them off their land had any sort of bad... <laughs> you know, it's like, and I visited Hawaii recently. I went to one museum, and my immediate takeaway was, oh, you shouldn't use legal mechanisms to throw poor people off of their land. You know, and I kind of knew that intuitively, too, but I think if you just go to one museum there, you're kind of confronted with the multi-century history of colonialism in Hawaii. Well, if with, I, with I, Facebook I VR, you don't have to go to the museum. <laughs> <laughs> the museum comes to you. If if there's one you, thing I would criticize the native Hawaiians for, it's uh, stopping after they killed Captain Cook. <laughs> <laughs> they were on the right track there. <laughs> there are multiple like stores named after Captain Cook, really? and I'm like... <laughs> Wow, you guys... Like a knife uh, store? Or? No, yeah, it's like food, like Captain Cook's food or something. It's like, well, he doesn't need that anymore. <laughs> um, but so basically, just to kind of paraphrase from the Honolulu Star Captain Advocate... Captain Cook's Kitchen. <laughs> Get your chitlins. I mean, that just seems lazy in terms of naming. <laughs> to paraphrase from the Honolulu uh, Star Advertiser article... Um, um, they're, they they filed these lawsuits against a few hundred people, many living, some dead, who inherited or once uh, owned interests in what are in these lands. Uh, ownership of these lands is often largely undocumented because, as we've said, private property was established in 1850. It was often passed down through generations, through you know surviving heirs, these kinds of things. There's not always legal documentation, and they also just quote one person who says uh, who's one of these people who was named in these lawsuits who uh, said documenting who is in his family tree, uh, documenting who is in his family tree owns and what share in the property is too expensive for him and letting shares become further diluted among further generations make the problem worse. And I'm sorry I butchered the quote, but the point is essentially it's hard financially to respond to lawsuits. This is the sixth richest man in the world uh, suing native peoples to try and get them to not walk through his property. And, um, And then... 
just the last bit of this story is after this article comes out and there's a bit of a media blow up, he withdraws these lawsuits and gives one of the most bold-faced lies, uh, Facebook status updates about it. And I just want to quote a little bit from Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook update about this story. He says, quote, There have been some misleading stories going around today about our plans in Hawaii, so I want to clear that up. He says, as part of... There have been some misleading stories today about our plans in Hawaii, and I've been wanting to clear it up. So he goes, as part of Hawaiian history, in the mid-1800s, small parcels were granted to families, which after generations might now be split among hundreds of descendants. There aren't always clear records, and in many cases, descendants who own a quarter percent or one percent of a property don't even know they are entitled to anything. To find all these partial owners so we can pay them their fair shares, we filed what is called a quiet title action. For most of these folks, they will now receive money for something they never even knew they had. No one will be forced off their land. And so this is where his bullshit sets in, because if you were actually interested in compensating the owners of these lands there's a lot of things you can do besides a quiet title action and the way a quiet title action works is owners or anyone who's served or mentioned in the lawsuit has 20 days to respond and after which point they have no say in the legal proceedings wow. so this is entirely just lying where his pr people are like yeah you should just say that quiet title actions are the usual way that you establish who you have to give money to instead of just being a fucking bullshit artist who doesn't want native Hawaiians walking through his oceanfront mansion. Um, but yeah, he withdrew the lawsuit uh, in the face of his looming presidential run, so good on him. Yeah, he's woke now. Uh, he <laughs> And he wouldn't give Kanye West a billion dollars. And it's like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> yeah, it's like, did you hear his latest album? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very woke with the hip-hop. He, uh... Yeah, he's been he's been on a fifty state woke tour uh, this last year and a half. Uh, he's been trying to rehabilitate his image. Uh, he gave this one of the best lines from this was his Harvard commencement speech that is in our intro, but bears repeating. I taught those kids lessons on product development and marketing, and they taught me what it was like growing up feeling targeted for your race. I just, I just like the idea of Zuckerberg like talking to a bunch of kids whose parents have to work like three jobs because you know their San Francisco or Oakland house is being priced out by Silicon Valley billionaires right, right. and Zuckerberg's like, yeah, it's all about brand awareness. You got to work on brand awareness. I like the idea of those kids being like, they taught me what it was like to feel targeted for your race by our advertising model. <laughs> <laughs> He, he sat down with me and my affinity group. Oh, God almighty. <laughs> this is also, he also recently put out um, a Facebook Live video riding around. Of him shooting a grandfather to death. <laughs> <laughs> He's riding around in a car with the, um, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who he claims was a friend in college, but the mayor kind of makes a face when he says that. It has and, just unfriended him on Facebook. <laughs> And so he's he's talking about like the struggles of running South Bend, and he, he's and the whole time Zuckerberg. It's a, it's a very bizarre video because Zuckerberg is recording it on his phone and putting it on Facebook Live and watching all the comments. So he's talking to this mayor who's driving a car, but also staring at his phone and the camera. And so like you get things like this. Uh, I'm going to take us through a couple of neighborhoods here just because I want you to see yeah, awesome. um, what we were up against in terms of vacant and abandoned houses. Yeah, awesome. 
Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I have enough money to fix this problem, but I'm not going to. <laughs> yeah. He goes, um, so he has a, this is one of his 365 day challenges, right? Right. Oh, yeah, he does this. It's one, of, and like having a travel challenge is like one of the white, the whitest. Yeah, like, right. Uh, you, you have to, it's one of those things where have people, a couple 10,000 in the bank at least to do yeah, it. Minimum, yeah. Well, it's also people keep on talking about how, you know, CEOs and billionaires are the hardest working people in the, world and that's how they make all their money and there's you know this guy just walking stumbling around rural america trying to find out what normal people are right, like right there's one of the photos he posted is he's feeding a cow milk and it's like buddy <laughs> buddy wrong move like that's not hey man you feed a cow hey yeah you know well you know what i say to mark zuckerberg yeah you'll never live like common Unlike William Shatner, who lives like common people. <laughs> you know, um, common people, people killed their wife in a pool. Um, what? There's all there's there's a lot <laughs> of r- rumors about his presidential ambitions. Uh, we've obviously talked already about about him. He went to Alaska one time. Right. This was during part his of trip. His listening to and you guys were he cold. made a lot because it gets cold here. <laughs> You made a lot about the Alaska, the the fund that's sort of like a universal basic income. So we're doing this virtual reality tour where the guy from Into the Wild starved to death. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's not a lot about his actual platform, but he does talk about basic income. But it's more along the standpoint of, like, uh, this has bipartisan support. There's also, like, conservative people who want to get rid of the social safety net, like UBI. Right, and that's his sort of his main sort of neo neoliberal conception of the UBI. He was what? scouting Inuit ancestral lands to buy. <laughs> that was the real reason, <laughs> but his the, public yeah. oh, reason yeah. was to promote UBI. But really, if you all had UBI, you could all evict native people from their <laughs> lands. <laughs> um, I think. Lastly, silent title lawsuits for everyone. <laughs> the thing I really want to mention is the fact that, like. Uh, Jeffries was talking earlier about how like Facebook has more money than Boeing and uh, outside of like the data centers like Facebook well Boeing is worth less than Facebook right, by right. a considerable margin yeah and it's like Boeing... and they have fewer employees and have way less capital assets right right and Boeing's making airplanes for people to do shit Facebook outside of the data centers that they're using shit like fly into the World Trade Center uh... <laughs> yeah. but the, yeah. Uh, the yeah. how many is... towers has Facebook taken down <laughs> We'll never know. Because yeah, I can tell you. <laughs> not only two. I mean, they've they've got some people to jump out of towers. <laughs> not as many as Boeing, though. Oh, boy. Actually, I think it would be I really stepped I really... this episode. There's, there's no Facebook the Tower 7 video, I'll tell you that much. I like how Palmer scolded me for being misogynistic <laughs> in the last few episodes, and McCarthy just ran amok on this one. I really... I went all in. I was yeah, like... like we're promoting this. I should look as terrible as possible. <laughs> <laughs> but the main thing is, is that Facebook's w- worth is about the fact that all of us use it, and the reality is, is that it's slowly killing us. Uh, well, yeah, the thing, the thing with Facebook is, it's the the Facebook that you're using isn't the product. You are the product, right? Right. right. And ultimately, from like a larger perspective, uh, economically, Facebook is really just a parasite. That kind of sucks in money from people who actually make things to, and you could make the argument that you know it connects people with 
products, but you know that's it's mostly it really, to manipulate people yeah, to buy. It, it things. really is stealing your time. At the end of the day, yeah. uh, the entity Facebook is making us all lazier, more depressed, and less adequate to face the society we're truly in. Make sure to like and share this episode on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on Friendster. Yeah. Uh, just a, a couple things I really I want to get to real quickly is um, I want to get to the Rohingya thing. Um, just for people who don't know the story, I mentioned it earlier, but basically um, in October, 20, late 2017, um, the government in Myanmar um, murdered at least 6,000 uh, Rohingya Muslims. They displaced more than 600,000, driving them a lot, a lot of them across the border into Bangladesh. And just kind of the weird thing uh, about what went on there is Facebook, of course, operates in Myanmar with permission from the government. So a lot of people were pointing out that Facebook was censoring and deleting and suspending accounts that would share evidence of these atrocities against uh, Rohingya people, while at the same time, you know, keeping verified government military accounts who were keeping this, uh, you know, ethnic cleansing going on, um, you know, verified and promoted and not taken down. Like there was some... Um, we find that... Uh exposing war crimes and uh, crimes against humanity makes it harder to connect people. And that's our mission. Right. So there's a, a general, the commander-in-chief of... I Ma- enjoy that impression more than anyone else in this <laughs> Yeah, <summer. laughs> clearly. There's a, a general, the commander-in-chief of Myanmar's armed forces, is according to the New York Times, who's carried out the crackdown on the Rohingya. And this is a brutal crackdown with, you know, rape, mass execution. It's horrible what happened to the Rohingya people. Um, he has more than 1.3 million users on his verified Facebook account. A post from September 15 describes the operation, again, mass rape and murder and uh, burning houses, as a response to an attack to a, quote, attempt of extremist Bengalis in, in Rakhine State to build a stronghold. Uh, this is after an attack on a remote border post. And, uh, you know, there was another case of, you know, Facebook not taking down posts about um, essentially Rohingya setting fire to their own houses and these kinds of things. So basically, you know, I'm sure they would plead, you know, it's not our fault, it's the algorithm or whatever. But there's there's also these situations in the Philippines where Facebook wants these governments to allow them in, uh, Myanmar, the Philippines, these repressive governments. So they kind of censor opposition to these governments, uh, maybe unintentionally, but they certainly don't censor the governments themselves when they are printing, they are posting lies and incitement to violence and these kinds of things. And a lot of people make the argument that Facebook in the Rohingya ethnic cleansing was used in a similar way to uh, radio was used in um, Rwanda. I think that a strong central government is good for bringing people together. (laughs) Especially one that eliminates the parasitic elements within their their society. I will say he is the only billionaire who's in an interracial relationship, and I do like that. Unfortunately, I don't think he eats the butt, though. I don't think he goes down. I don't think he's the only billionaire. The only one we've covered so far. I guess. Name another one. You've got to eat that butt. (laughs) I, I don't think there are any others. Any other that we've covered? Now well, I'm trying to think. Bezos doesn't. Yeah. Bloomberg's got a white girl. Uh, Musk's got a white lady. B- Musk prefers a blonde white lady. <laughs> That's true. That. But uh, yeah, it was nothing to do with the politics of South Africa people. <laughs> 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 um, before we run out of time, I do want to. Uh, and, and that's just that's just not true. <laughs> Before we run out of time, I do want to uh, play just a short clip from the Q and A between two billionaires, two of the greatest that's right. Jewish billionaires, that's right. two of the most socially aware people on the planet Earth. 
Honestly, uh, the, the question begs itself: What's the deal with these billionaires? <laughs> Basically, Jerry. So went... wait, wait, sorry. Just to set this up, Jerry Seinfeld was in the Facebook headquarters, I think, to promote comedians and cars getting coffee, and he did a Facebook Live Q and A with Mark Zuckerberg, and it's just sixteen minutes of pure awkward. But so, uh, so it's, you're comedians, Andrew and cars it's getting coffee. Rich Jews that think they're better than the person they're sitting next to. It's the best. <laughs> it's so good. They both try to like mog the other one. <laughs> Alpha male of the group. <laughs> so I went to the bike shop uh, right. last weekend, um, and I didn't even have a bike when I decided to do this. Right. That's a great smell, the bike shop, isn't it? Um, the rubber and the... No, I didn't notice any smell. You didn't notice the smell. <laughs> no, no. I'm not, I'm not a very... I love the smell of a bike shop. Well, I think it was my first time in a bike shop, so, so I went and got a bike. It was like like Seinfeld was just trying to do his observational thing, and Zuckerberg just immediately became kind of like a villain character from the show Seinfeld. Oh, so good. <laughs> Later on in the clip, uh, Seinfeld complains about how hard it is for 17-year-olds to sign up for the website. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I think our takeaway with Zuckerberg is very simply that although he wasn't financially backed by exploiting people directly, he now allows the exploitation of literally every single person that uses Facebook to benefit himself and his family, even though they're using a good chunk of their net worth to cure all diseases in theory. Zuckerberg does not think Facebook is a success unless they get the Chinese market, and I don't know if he'll get that ever in his lifetime. Yeah, also it should be noted, we didn't really talk about this, and a lot of corporations do this shit, but a, a Dutch newspaper, uh, NRC Handelsblad, I'll link to it, but basically they concluded... It'll be on the Tumblr. Basically. Uh, that newspaper concluded from the Paradise Papers that Facebook pays, quote, practically no taxes worldwide, because they do right. this usual Irish shell company, which feeds to a Cayman Island shell uh, company the old bullshit. Irish shell company. Um, <laughs> but you know, oh, shell company, <laughs> the tax, the tax of being dodged. Um, but yeah, you know, Facebook it it makes billions of dollars getting U.S. kids to commit suicide, and it doesn't even pay taxes that may or may not go to mental health services that are getting gutted. You know, making the world more open and connected. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry, I laughed over the cult part. <laughs> uh, Don't quiet yourself in post. I could. I can, yeah. But yeah, no, long and short is like the Facebook algorithm is designed uh, for an advertiser model to A, gather as much data as possible, some of which they share with the NSA through the PRISM program. That was another thing we didn't get to, but uh, they gather as much data as possible. They sell everything they fucking can, you know, unless you opt out again and again and again. They make it as hard as possible to opt out of all this stuff. They've had, you know, numerous lawsuits over this stuff. They gather as much data as possible. They sell it to advertisers. They make you depressed through their algorithm so you keep using Facebook because right. you need that validation. And they just make you fucking miserable because Facebook is not real life, you know? It's people present a false version of the world uh, through their Facebook where everything's great and you're just like, wow, my life fucking sucks because Everyone on this website is having so much fun, and nobody likes my posts, and everybody hates me. And this is not autobiographical. And <laughs> and he didn't give Kanye West a billion dollars. That's true. 
I know that it seems crazy. I didn't that I'm care just, for Jesus. I know it seems crazy that I'm this angry about this part of it. But if any billionaire should be cool enough to give an African American musician a billion dollars to do whatever he wants, why shouldn't it be Zuckerberg and Kanye West? I think he needs to return to his roots and graduation. The experimental stuff just isn't connecting with me. Stay tuned for the fuck uh, you, Zuckerberg. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Stay tuned for the Grubstakers LLC where I cut the other Name one genius that ain't <laughs> Not if I get to it for a show. <laughs> all Zuckerberg all the time. All right, this is going off the rails. Uh, anything else to get to before we're gone? Steven, you got anything else? Palmer? No. McCarthy? Uh, just, uh, you know, don't let the Russians hack our election again. <laughs> Fuck Rachel. you, Zuckerberg! Fuck you! And with that, my name is Yogi Polywall. I'm Sean McCarthy. Stephen Jeffries. Andy Palmer. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. She came from Greece. She had a thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College. That's where I caught her eye. She told me that her dad was loaded. I said, in that case, I'll have a rum and Coca-Cola. She said, fine. And in 30 seconds' time, she said, I want to live like common people. I want to do whatever common people do. I want to sleep with common people. I want to sleep with common people like you. Well, what else could I do? I said, I'll see what I can do. I took her to a supermarket. I don't know why, but I had to start it somewhere. So it started there. I said, pretend you've got no money. She just laughed and said, oh, you're so funny. I said, yeah? Well, I can't see anyone else smiling in here. Are you sure? You want to live like common people? You want to see whatever common people see? You want to sleep with common people? You want to sleep with common people like me? But she didn't understand. She just smiled and held my hand. Pretend you never went to school But still you'll never get it right When you're lying in bed at night Watching roaches climb the wall If you called your dad he could stop it all here You'll never live like common people You'll never do whatever common people do You'll never fail like common people You'll never watch your life Slide out of you and dance and drink and screw Cause there's nothing, because else, there's nothing to do. else to do out.
Because everybody hates a tourist. Because everybody hates a tourist. Especially one who thinks it's all such a lie. Yeah, and the chip stains grease will come out in the back. You will never you will understand, understand how it feels, how it feels to, live to live your life with no with meaning or control. control and with nowhere left, left to go. go. You're amazed, You're amazed that they that exist. exist. And they burn and they so bright while so you can only wonder Climb the wall. If you called your dad, he could stop it all. Yeah. You'll never live like common people. You'll never do what common people do. You'll never fail like common people. You'll never walk your life right out of you and dance and drink and screw. Cause there's nothing else to do. 